It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being with us all week long. This is really, a lot of times I felt it was Groundhog Day with the news. It was uh, Trump this, it was uh, Biden that, it was Democrats hate him, Republicans love him. And that's pretty much been the storyline for the last few years. Then the pandemic comes in, still blaming Trump and making him a part of it. I really think things are changing now, a lot more intriguing. And for me, a lot more aggravating when it comes to what's happening in politics. But I think we're starting to turn the corner on this pandemic, which is a bit of a uh, more than a bit of a relief. Coming up shortly, Admiral James Starvitas, and then we're going to be joined by John Cribb. He's the author of the historical novel Old Abe, based on fact, and it's a great book. We've had John on before, but now he's been banned from Facebook because they said his historical novel is too political. How crazy is social media getting? Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. David versus Goliath, social media taking over Wall Street, and now bipartisan outrage over handcuffs put on the average guys. The group of average investors who got together on Reddit colluding to buy the same stock, and that forced the price to go up, hurting the big hedge fund managers. Reddit Raiders take down Titans on Wall Street, and the Titans change the rules. Inside the most compelling, revealing story on big business in quite some time, how Wall Street is really won, and how the little guys are getting run over unless we do something. Republicans and Democrats agree this is outrageous and has to stop and change. Number two. They thought the virus was in China. It had left China. It had gone to Europe, and it came here for three months before they ever knew. Incompetent government kills people. More people died than needed to die in COVID. That's the truth. Right. Uh, you blame, I guess you're blaming Trump for not picking up the virus with his virus detector in New York, which he should be traveling with, even though he didn't go to New York. And China still hasn't told us. But the second half of that sentence says it all. Incompetent government kills people. Now to the story at hand. It's official. Cuomo lied and seniors died. The Emmy Award-winning self-congratulatory governor of New York is uh, not happy with these horrid findings. A report reveals by a Democratic attorney general that his team lied about nursing home deaths, covered up the findings and the totals, shifted blame, and now the chickens have come home to roost, said Reverend Wright. Not even a friendly interview with your brother on CNN can help you now. Number one. Unity also is trying to get... At, at a minimum, if, if you pass a piece of legislation that breaks down on party lines, but it gets passed, it doesn't mean there wasn't unity. It just means it wasn't bipartisan. I'd prefer these things to be bipartisan. Is that the nuttiest thing you've ever heard in your life? Mr. Unity is actually Mr. Unilaterally. That's how I describe President Biden's first 10 days in office, jamming now 40 executive actions and orders through crushing tens of thousands of jobs. And now his party is about to slam through a $1.9 trillion aid package without a single Republican vote. That's the story that's breaking. You didn't buy that coming together stuff, did you? Well, I did for some maybe a nanosecond, and now I don't. They had a bipartisan conversation 
uh, conference call or Zoom call two weeks ago on Joe Manchin's urging, where both sides weighed in on the $1.9 trillion. They said, we've already spent $4 trillion in this pandemic. We just spent $900 billion. Where is this money going? And the Biden administration representatives couldn't answer all these questions, so they said, we'll come back and get to you. Now we story, this story brewing, that we don't have any time to wait to try to get 60 votes and to compromise. We're just going to put it through. Think about this. Think about all the executive orders, what it's done to jobs at the border, what it's done for jobs who worked in oil and gas drilling, jobs who it's done for the pipeline, jobs that are going to be green jobs. In theory, they're having a committee come together to decide where these green jobs will be. They're ending right away. Now, sometimes these presidents put together programs that in the long run cost jobs when a study reveals it. This cost it as he signed it. As he signed it, people just lost their jobs the next day. And we've been playing some of those cuts from people directly affected. You know what's very encouraging, uh, was very revealing for me, is that AOC couldn't be happier. She is somebody who a year and a half ago was quoted as saying, and I'll paraphrase, only in America could be people like Joe Biden and I be in the same party because we're so different on so many other issues. But it looks as though the new Green Deal is the framework and is the bones of the president's emergency push for green energy. Listen to how happy she is and understand when she's happy, we're, uh, we feel the exact inverse. Cut for I'm feeling extraordinarily encouraged, and I think that the significance of uh, President Biden's executive orders communicates a lot. One is that it really communicates that he meant what he said on the campaign trail, that he would make climate change a central priority of his administration, and that he considers it not just a national security threat, but frankly, you know, the global matter that it is. But it also really significant. It also really signifies a good faith openness and relationship to those activist communities. Are you, do you buy in this? She is, this is if AOC is president. And of course she she's only gets elected in Queens. She shows up around the country and she has the opposite effect and really boosts Republicans because people say she is so extreme. Joe Biden doesn't think so. Senator Schumer doesn't think so. Even though, listen, I'll give her credit. She understands social media, good communicator, uh, attractive. I don't, for a second, question her intellect. I'm not one of those people. I don't think she's uneducated. I don't think she's dumb. I think she's extremely street smart. But I disagree with her on every major issue. And the President of the United States said he was in the middle. He wasn't to the left. He is telling us in 10 days he's to the left. If, he, if, if that is indeed what he's following through with. If this does not mobilize Republicans to get their act together, get one message, which is, I won't do what they did, cut one. Listen to Joe Biden. Try to tell us what unity is. Unity also is trying to get at, at a minimum, if, if you pass a piece of legislation that breaks down on party lines, but it gets passed, it doesn't mean there wasn't unity. It just means it wasn't bipartisan. I prefer these things to be bipartisan. I mean... Does he even know what he's saying? And I'm not questioning his age or his aneurysms, but does he even know what he's saying? Have you heard a stupider sentence in your life? So then Jen Psaki got asked a real question. Like, you know, you're supposed to be unifying the country. You have 40 executive actions and orders, 40, 23 executive orders. You know this stuff's going to get undone to the point where the New York Times said, Joe, easy on the executive orders. Cut three. 
Any historian will tell you that he walked into the presidency at one of the most difficult moments in history. That required additional executive action in order to take, get immediate relief to the American people. That's why he has also proposed a COVID relief package, a big, bold package. Okay, do you realize she should not be allowed to get away with that? Because anything that he has done has created problems and, look, and, and solved uh, and addressed an agenda instead of addressing an issue that has anything to do with the pandemic or any challenges around the globe. Understood, understand that. If you talk about the $1.9 trillion, that's the answer to that question. But when you talk about stop building the wall, when you talk about no longer for 100 days will anyone be deported, by the way, hurts the pandemic on both counts. When you talk about stopping the pipeline, stopping drilling, there's no emergency there. And for John Kerry to stand up and say these storms are costing a lot, a lot, of, a lot of money and it's because of climate change, think about all the money we're going to save – What are you talking about? There were storms before there was an engine. There were storms before we had a language. The dinosaurs, if we could interview them, would talk about the storms they had, and they don't want to be blamed for them. I don't want to take too much time away from Admiral James Stravitas. We've got to talk about the world in about six minutes. It's not going to be easy. U.S.-China clash. We're going to talk about the Iranian deal, shelving of the Abraham Accords. It looks like, at least on pause, which is uh, beyond disturbing. And some of the unrest in Russia. He's got the greatest intel. uh, And he also uh, will tell us what's next. Uh, John Cribb, it will be at 45. So that means at the bottom of the hour, I'll be able to take your calls. 1-866-40. Excuse me. That means, yeah, at the bottom of the hour at 934 Eastern, I'll be able to take your calls. So uh, join me then. Brian Kilmeade Show. You won't pull or tear anything listening. Brian does all the heavy lifting. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Precise, personal, powerful. Is America's weather team in the palm of your hands? Get Fox weather updates throughout your busy day, every day. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. I'm not aware of threat reporting that suggests we need 7,000 troops and razor wire around the Capitol. Uh, What happened on January 6th was in part the failure of the senior security leaders on Capitol Hill to anticipate the kind of violence we saw from the mob that broke into the Capitol. Then we had a major reaction 
one might say an overreaction of bringing 26,000 National Guard troops in for January 20th inauguration. But the inauguration is behind us. And that's why the razor wire and they say that thousands of troops are going to stay there till March. And if he's on the Senate Intelligence Committee as the ranking member, why is he saying, I can't understand this? Why is the FBI making this announcement? Is it pure politics? Admiral James Stravitas doesn't do politics. He does world relations, but he's under, he understands how it works. He's the 16th Supreme Allied Commander at NATO. Uh, Admiral, do you think we need those troops in the Capitol? I do. I think it's prudent, Brian. And I, I think uh, Senator Tom Cotton, who I know quite well, uh, veteran himself, understands the military quite well. Um, he knows that there's a difference between positioning forces for a specific threat. And, and of course, you do that. But then beyond that, Brian, it becomes a judgment call. And it's frankly, it's a matter of uh, using your imagination to imagine how bad something could get. Look, I always say, 9-11 was less a failure of intelligence. It was a failure of imagination. We just couldn't imagine that those uh, people could mount the wherewithal to attack us in the way they did with jet coming in. So I think uh, here a prudent planner is going to certainly look at the intelligence, but you're going to go beyond the intelligence. You're going to try and imagine how bad it could get. And let's be candid here. What's uh, at stake is the uh, impeachment trial. I think that's the period of time that we ought to imagine it could go very badly. So I think 7,000 troops in that range, maybe five, makes sense to me. Yeah, if they, if they in fact go through with that, that does make a little bit of sense. But I would say the FBI should be the one making this announcement. If the FBI says we haven't picked up any intelligence like that, but the DHS says it, even though they're under the FBI, I find it uh, just bizarre that they wouldn't be briefed on that on all levels. At the very least, it shows a disjointedness that is uh, troubling. Um, indeed, but- indeed. And, and you know, again, back to 9-11 as, as an analogy, the big failure of 9-11 was all of these entities, FBI, DOJ, CIA, T, all of them did not work cohesively together. So I think that's the big lesson out of uh, the events of the 6th of January is our in- intelligence communities need to get together and they need to shine more of a light on domestic terrorism. I think those are all important factors. Uh, here. Ad- Admiral, uh, there was some international news and it didn't take long for the secretary of state to say, I'm going to put on hold those sale- the sale of the F-35 uh, fighter jets, stealth fighter jets to the a- uh, UAE. And that is part of the Abraham Accords and part of the deal of recognizing Israel. Are you for that? I am not for canceling that sale. I think we should go forward with the sale. I watched the press conference with new Secretary of State Tony Blinken. I know him well. He's he's a very understated guy. If you actually watch the press conference, what he said was, hey, we're going to put it on pause. We're going to fully understand the commitments that were made. I personally uh, strongly support the sale to the UAE of those jets, and I think that will occur. I thought it was Israel that would have the problem because traditionally we didn't want to sell arms to uh, potential enemies. And when Israel said there's no problem, I didn't know what the problem would be. Yeah, I agree with that assessment. This is technically called uh, providing Israel a qualitative military edge, QME it's called, and it's in the law. We have to do that. That means that doesn't mean we can't sell jets to the UAE. It does mean you got to put everything in a larger context of saying – 
um, can Israel handle itself if things go bad? I'm not sure that's particularly relevant at the moment where you see the Gulf Arab states drawing closer and closer to Israel. And let's face it, Brian, the next big Muslim movement in the Abraham Accords is to get the Saudis to recognize Israel. That's the play we ought to be really after. And supporting UAE, small country, my good friend Jim Mattis calls them little Sparta because they fight well. They've been on coalitions with us. They were terrific for me in Libya during that conflict. We ought to sell those jets to the UAE. You know, but Admiral, you got to make a choice. Are you going to try to get Saudi Arabia to recognize Israel, or are you going to try to get Iran to to adhere to a, a deal should they never actually signed? So what you can't do both. Do, do you agree with that? Which one do you think they're going to do? Um, I think they will try and do both. Whether they can do it successfully or not, um, we're not going to resolve in a 10-minute conversation on the show. But I think what they ought to do on the Iran side of this thing is not go rushing back into that flawed agreement. Don't go to Tehran. Go to Brussels. Talk to our allies. Get our strategy aligned together. Then put pressure on Iran. And, Brian, if you're going to do that, you got to have the Gulf Arabs and Israel in alignment with each other and with us to keep the pressure on. So it's kind of a two-step program here. Um, I would push the Saudis to get into the Abraham Accords, and I'd push the Europeans to help us uh, put the pressure on Iran to get to a new negotiation. I think there's a narrow chance of doing both. It's going to be a real act of diplomacy if they pull it off. Well, the thing is, I, you're, you see, you're, you're thinking of the best interest of the country – I don't know Anthony Blinken personally, but I have not seen this administration say anything like they want to continue with the Abraham Accords. So that would be a continuation of a Trump program that that almost by all accounts is successful. So that's why I don't see them going there, because it would fortify maybe a international reputation that Trump's team had. Um, let's give them a little time. They've only been in office a couple of weeks. I have seen uh, positive statements out of lower-level officials. They don't use the words, the Abraham Accords, uh, but they do talk about uh, the positive effect of aligning the Gulf Arabs with Israel. Let's give them a little time, but I agree with your assessment. The Abraham Accords were a significant achievement, in my view, of the Trump administration. This team can build on them because the the big gorilla in the room is, in fact, the Saudis. And I think that the Saudis uh, are amenable. Let's face it, the crown prince himself uh, over a year and a half ago said Israel has the right to exist. That's a big deal coming from the leader of the largest Gulf Arab state. So how serious is Vladimir Putin taking? Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton Withrow. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my (laughs) name is Chad. His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. The unrest with the arrest of Navalny, who he tried to kill by poisoning, comes back in and gets arrested. And they arrested at least 4,000 protesters uh, around Russia. And evidently, these videos of the opulent lifestyle and the money he stole from Russia— is causing him some indigestion. What do you hear? Same. Um, he's worried. 
and he is not going to go easy. I think at this point, um, it's going to be difficult for him to just drag Navalny in a cell and shoot him in the back of the head. But the fact that he used a chemical weapon to try and kill him on Russian soil um, ought to tell you that he is taking it very seriously. So look for Navalny, unfortunately, to go into the slammer for a long period of time. Look for those arrested to be disciplined. Putin is, you know, KGB colonel. This is right out of the KGB playbook. He's going to keep his thumb on this. And he watched what happened in Ukraine when his chosen leader in Ukraine uh, lost control right. of the of the crowds in the Maidan. So he will not allow that to happen. Uh, Admiral James Charvitas, look forward to your novel coming up, The Next World War, 2034. Thanks so much, Admiral. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Look at what he's done uh, with energy policy, ending the Keystone Pipeline, laying off more than 10,000 hardworking Americans in good-paying blue-collar union jobs, rejoining the Paris Climate Accord or empowering people like John Kerry to try to kill even more jobs and then telling these people, well, you can go get a job in solar power or computer coding, something that's better for you to do anyway. Nothing could be more condescending than what we've seen of the Biden administration as it relates to blue-collar jobs in this country. I mean, he's so right. Senator Tom Cotton said, really, you're going to go tell me you, you're my career counselor now? So you're going to go tell me what I should do because it doesn't fit your agenda? Because climate change is an emergency, and even though we we could go to zero, net zero carbon production, it won't affect one thing in the world while destroying our economy in the process. Eric, listen on WDBO in Florida. Eric. Hey, Brian. Uh, real quick, love your topic today. Uh Speaking of following the science, I learned when I moved here in Florida in 2005 that those four hurricanes that we had were directly correlated to extremely large solar flares, which are measured about every seven years. Um, So that's one thing we're going to have to deal with that John Kerry needs to shut down the solar flares. And also Mount St. Helens, just one volcano in 1980, spewed more CFCs into the atmosphere in an hour than mankind could ever possibly dream of doing, not to mention Old Faithful every 45 minutes. So follow the science. They're just not convincing anybody because they they don't follow the science. They just have an agenda to push. And if the climate's been changing for 2 million years, let's say, we're not going to stop it. Eric, it's not not an emergency. It's not an emergency that you put everything on the shelf. It's like if 9-11 happened, uh, under under Joe Biden, he would have pushed climate change instead of mobilizing our military and trying to unwind Al Qaeda in our midst. I mean, th- that's that's how farcical it is. Can you imagine if if uh, George Bush continued to insist on being an education president when we had to quickly get us on a war footing and stop the next terrorist attack? This guy is is a poor excuse for a leader, and he's getting a pass on it, but he's not going to get it here. But actually. I'm really heartened by some of the more direct questions, but the lack of answers, and there's no follow-up, that these that they're getting because of all his executive orders. And with the New York Times saying this is not the way to uh, to govern, I'm heartened by that. Bit of a surprise, too. Uh, let's go to Laura listening online in Kentucky. Hey, Laura. Hi. Um, well, I couldn't agree with you more. And I'm just 
almost in shock on, you know, we know about the Trump syndrome, but the hatred for this one man has just reasoned out all common sense. And all this is the big middle finger to Trump and all the people, even the people that voted for Biden. None of this makes sense. It's just I'm taking away everything he's done, and you people are going to pay for it. It's awful. It makes me so mad. And, and here's the – I'm going to let you hear this so you can listen together. He told us yesterday, Joe Biden did, why he's signing the orders the way he's doing it. Cut to. Today I'm about to sign two executive orders, and basically the best way to describe them, to undo the damage Trump has done. There's nothing new that we're doing here other than restoring the Affordable Care Act and restoring the Medicaid to the way it was before Trump became president. He basically says it. That's what I'm doing. Well, you know, I don't want to be him when he takes his last breath, but I won't get into that. But it's it's awful. And I just it blows my mind that the hatred for one man literally has just knocked out common sense in the United States of America. It it saddens me. Thanks so much. I understand your frustration. Uh, Mine is so much. I'm. I'm really surprised. I didn't think it was going to be total unity, but I thought after about a year when people start getting back into that midterm mode, things would start falling apart. He had he had Republicans willing to negotiate. If he goes ahead and just jams the one point nine trillion down with a minimum wage raise, knowing that these businesses, uh, especially restaurants, are doing so poorly now anyway, the few that are open, if you make them pay their waiters and waitresses fifteen dollars and your busboys and your hostesses in a tipped income, you'll just destroy them. If all that stuff is wrapped up in that, he is saying to you that's a middle finger to the American public. Here's Senator Ron Johnson, cut, cut five. He said that he was going to you know, not be a dictator. He was going to actually you know, utilize the Senate and try and get the votes. He hasn't tried to get any vote whatsoever so far in terms of policy. We're going to find out what liberal policy's impact is on everyday American lives. And it's not going to be pretty. It's, it's, again, we won't have border security. We're, we're seeing murder rates increase dramatically in Democrat-controlled cities. Uh, this is going to continue. It, it's it's not going to be good, Maria. It's not going to be good. And by the way, we're, we're also watching Wall Street. It is down now. Uh, the market's down 402 points. But the, the, the price of GameStop is going up still. So we're trying to see if the Wall Street bets people, the people that you were using Robinhood, are able to get back online. They basically froze a bunch of stocks because people were making too much money and billionaires were losing too much money. How unbelievable is that? Brian is listening online in Michigan. Appreciate it, Brian. What's in your mind? You know, uh, you have folks like Kinzinger and Sass and Romney and Cheney, um, you know, are saying that, well, this isn't the Republican Party that I joined. And I say good. You know, they they, they keep talking about, uh, you know, core Republican values. What does that even mean? You know, I had to hold my nose to vote for W. Had to hold my nose to vote for McCain. Had to hold my nose to vote for Romney. Finally had somebody I didn't have to, you know, hold my nose for. And they want to abandon him because they want to go to this this uh, uh, phrase of core Republican values. It's meaningless. Well, I'll tell you what. Almost everything Donald Trump did was governed as a conservative. A criminal justice reform, which I think was great. A lot of conservatives got upset at him for even doing it. 
But I think it was a really good move, you know, and, and the enterprising zones, the opportunity zones that he set up, extremely positive. I think for the most part, he governed as a classic conservative uh, outside some of the spending, which conservatives pushed back on him pretty heavily on. Uh, but that that's fine. I think that on issues, Romney, Sass, Adam Kinzinger are with him. What they didn't like in uh, Kinzinger's case is the election, saying it was robbed and it was stolen and uh, I have proof and they never had proof and the raid that happened. Liz Cheney, too. Liz Cheney agrees with him, voted with him 97% of the time, tough as nails, smart. I don't believe she's any retro neoconservative. I don't believe she's trying to rush into wars. I think that, you know, on, on trade, I think he has won the party over on trade. The party was against Donald Trump's philosophy on trade, and he won him over. But I don't think Republicans should go around practicing what they hate most about Democrats and about Hollywood, canceling people that disagree with them, about big tech, freezing accounts because they look, they're looked as controversial. I think that you can have a party in which, uh, for the most part, Ben Sass, Mitt Romney, and Liz Cheney are going to vote along with everything you believe in. So they were upset with Trump. And I think that you can be supportive like Tom Cotton and think Tom Cotton's a good senator. I think you could think that Ben Sass is a good senator. He went out of his way to go against Trump. It seemed personal. But when it comes to actual issues, guy's a smart guy who's a conservative. He's not going to be jumping over and saying, I have a great idea. Let's double minimum wage and destroy small business. So I think the people, Republicans should start practicing what they preach. And unless someone's leaving their party constantly and the issues, I think you got to go, okay, we're different. You know, I, I wish people could be more like Jim Jordan. I'm going to vote for Jim Jordan-like people. But I understand there's got to be an Adam Kinzinger who's going to say when it comes to uh, uh, the election stuff, I can't go along with it. I can't defend the president's behavior. And I think you could still be a conservative and do that. And I like Adam. He's, he's a great contributor to our show. I love that he serves our country. I love that he's in Illinois and gets 40, you know, he wins by 40 points. Uh, I don't want to take too much time away from John Cribb, who's the author of Old Abe, who got banned from Facebook because his book, historical book, is too political. But I want to get Michael in. Hey, Michael, you're in Atlanta. Good morning, Brian. Or should I call you the face of Fox News? Oh, my gosh. Fox and Friends, Fox Radio, The Five, primetime last week. I hope you have a cot in the corner for naps, buddy. Ah, I got the train for naps on the way home. But thanks, Michael. It's a, it's a fun job. <laughs> oh, and you are hands down the best guest on the Greg Gutfeld Show. Y'all are like two brothers picking at one another. So clever, so funny, and uh, you, you, and it, I, I wish you were on there every week. Well, I don't like him. I think he's got mental issues. I think he's got emotional issues. And I feel bad because uh, they need me to carry the show every week. He doesn't write anything. He doesn't prepare anything. He's got nothing inventive to say. So I'm doing it for the channel, helping him out. And I, I guess I'll do it one more time for you, Michael, for your support. And thanks. I appreciate it. Hey, one 866 John Cribb wrote a great book called Old Abe. So Facebook canceled it out of nowhere. They went to put an ad out. They said, no, it's too political. Why is it? And what does it have to do with Mike Pence? I'll answer that story when we come back on The Brian Kilmeade Show. It's so funny that you do a show called Fox and Friends when you're neither a fox and you have no friends. It's Brian Kilmeade. 
Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. That's right. We're no longer debating about ideas. We're debating about who to cancel. And that, to me, is cancel culture on steroids. And to me, this is this birdwatch program is actually the natural evolution of what we saw start two weeks ago. First, the liberal wing of Congress makes threats to social media companies, delegates their dirty work of censorship, which they can't do under the First Amendment, to these social media companies. And now, of course, the next step is the social media companies delegate that work to their users. And so this is going to divide Americans, turning everyday Americans against one another, going against the call for unity that we heard in that inauguration speech just last week. And you know what else is not going to help? That birdwatch thing is a way for you to report other people. Uh, so that's on Twitter, which you're probably might, maybe not on. So many people I know getting off it, waiting for Paula to start up again. John Cribb rejoins the show now. He's the author of a great book. It's a historical novel called Old Abe. Facebook has decided not to run his ads. And he thought, well, let me just go petition that. They decided to, never, to continue to do that because, well, let him tell you. John Cribb, welcome back. Hey, Brian. Thanks very much for having me on. I appreciate it. So, John, keeping a book going after it gets the initial hit is a real challenge. Oftentimes you want to buy ads, especially now on social media. What happened to you? Right. That's exactly right. Uh, last month, uh, the publisher, Republic Book Publishers, decided to take out some social media ads uh, to help the, you know, push the book, like you say. And they designed a couple of very nice ads and submitted them to different platforms. And Facebook rejected the ads, which puzzled us because, as you say, this is a historical novel about Abraham Lincoln. Um, and so they thought, we thought, well, why are they rejecting? But you can appeal. There's an appeal process, but we, and we did that. And, but they uh, turned down the appeal, and they said this, this ad's not going to run. And the reason, they said, was that it violated their ban on any advertising having to do with social issues, elections, and politics. And that's a ban they put into place right before the uh, presidential election last year, and they've left it in place. And it's just absurd because this is a book about – it's a historical novel about Abraham Lincoln in the 1860s. It has nothing to do with the uh, 2020 election or anything that's going on today. But looking at it, when Mike Pence read it, he said the best book on Lincoln he's ever read, and that became part of the ad. Was that mm-hmm. the issue? We're guessing. Part, you know, part of the problem is, is it's like you know, you're like talking to a wall. It's just so hard to, to deal with a big, huge corporate institution like this. You, you know, you're not sure if you're talking to a real person or a machine when you communicate with them. But we're guessing that, that, yeah, the ad consists of three quotes. That's all it is. It's three quotes. One from Mike Pence saying that this is the best book about Lincoln I've ever read. Another from Bill Bennett saying this book will make you love Lincoln. And the third is a quote from a review that was in the Civil War Monitor magazine saying it will appeal to generations of readers. And we're guessing that the name Mike Pence and maybe Bill Bennett, too, was enough to Trip, you know, trip up some woke algorithm or woke ad checker at Facebook and just get it tossed out. So that happens, and you, maybe it's the point that they realized that Abraham Lincoln was a Republican? <laughs> it could be. I don't know. I mean, you know, Lincoln's statue is being defaced and torn down and taken off the schools in some places. But, you know, the, it, the, I mean, it's, as absurd as it is, the, the alarming thing is that, it, is that it, it really is part of this spreading pattern of censorship and expression of, of, of speech in the, in the public square because it's the kind of collateral damage that you get when these big, huge tech firms pass these, you know, these sweeping rules that affect billions of people, rules about what can and can't be said in the public square. And if big tech keeps 
exerting and expanding these kind of policing powers, then you're going to get more and more of this kind of collateral damage, and, and people are not going to like it at all. Uh, well, I mean, the war in history is very real. Uh, that's the other element to this is big tech and taking down our president, which even alarmed Angela Merkel and other leaders around the world. And then there's the war on history, where this, yes. the, the new 1619 project is supposed to upend and tell everybody what a bad country you are in 1776. And you know what happened yesterday? They undid President Trump's 1776 project to make sure yeah. that that's a part of people's uh, school. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and meanwhile, they're taking the names off of great American heroes on schools out in, in San Francisco. Um, which is like something straight out of 1984, George Orwell's book. You know, remember Winston Smith, the hero, is rewriting history and dumping history down the memory hole. <laughs> and and that's, you feel like those people out in San Francisco would, would dump a lot of history down the memory hole if they, if so, they could. But, and, you, and let me just tell everybody that what's happening, uh, this, this board voted to get the names Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, Senator Dianne Feinstein, Francis Scott Key, uh, James Garfield, William McKinley, James Monroe – off their schools and replace yeah. them with people that didn't own slaves. And in the case of Dianne Feinstein, she did. She replaced a uh, a, a Civil War flag, a Confederate flag, one time. So she's not yeah. worthy of it. Are you heartened by the fact that seven thousand six hundred people have signed an online petition slamming the San Francisco School Board for doing that uh, yeah. and want them to reverse this? Yes, and hopefully they will. And it's just it's 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 so it is so ridiculous. And you know, I know some of it's just politics, and some of it is true ignorance about the accomplishments of these great American heroes. But I think some of it's calculated. You know, there's some people out there who really don't like this country too much, and if they had their way, they'd make radical changes. And they know if they can convince Americans that a lot of their old heroes, especially our founding heroes, were rotten, lousy people, then it's a lot easier to convince them that the country is a rotten, lousy place from the beginning, and we should just you know burn it down and start over. But I mean. You in the case of Abraham Lincoln is one of the names taken off of uh, you know, that school. This is a man who led the effort to save our country when yeah. it was literally falling apart, defend our founding principles, and free millions of enslaved Americans. And he deserves to be honored and remembered and revered, not have his name ripped off of a school. Yeah, and the fact is uh, black lives, they said, didn't matter to him enough. Yeah. Hey, yeah. in yeah. all your years in, in writing this book, do you ever remember a generation like this one so judgmental in our past? No, I, I, I don't. Uh, I, I, it really is this, this tendency to stand in judgment of great American heroes uh, like this really is breathtakingly arrogant, I think. I mean, you just want to say to these people, what have you done that is so great uh, that puts you in the position to, uh, to, to judge these people this way? But in, in a lot of ways, it's just very immature. I mean, you know, we, we need to take people in the totality of their lives and their acts. And you can you can look at any life uh, from centuries or decades ago and, 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 and find blemishes. But these people, they need to be taken in the totality of their acts. And Abraham Lincoln, for example, lived a great life, and his achievements were magnificent. And to knock him off pedestals and take his name off the of schools, is, I just think, is the height of arrogance. Uh, also, they took Grant's name down. Uh, that yeah. is crazy, too. Hey, John, we'll keep fighting it. We'll keep pushing back uh, because there's greatness in your book and there's greatness in the man that you outlined and brought to life. John Cribb, thank you so much. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate it. You got it. Uh, Pick up Old Abe and fight back against Facebook, who does not want you to know that book is out there and is great, as is our country, by the way. 
It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everybody. Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. Big hour. Geraldo Rivera is just getting out of the shower. He'll be with us shortly. Janice Dean at the bottom of the hour. You know she lost both her mother-in-law and father-in-law in the nursing home. Found out about it with a phone call. Never got to the bottom. Then realized there was a huge problem with people, uh, men and women, dying in nursing homes. And they were being put back in uh, with COVID virus. And it was spreading like wildfire through the nursing homes. Yet... The Jacob Javits Center was turned by the Army Corps of Engineers into a major hospital, unused for the most part. You had a major hospital ship, unused for the most part. Governor Cuomo said, well, I was just going by CDC guidelines, and, you know, just about a few thousand people lost their lives. Well, it turns out he uh, he underreported by 50 percent, and a scathing report just came out about this. We'll discuss it in detail, Janice Dean, on what this means for the investigation that Governor Cuomo never wanted to see happen. Uh, We are understanding, too, that they're ready to open up restaurants 25 percent. And people are enraged by that. So am I. you got to go kind of staff up and kind of get ready and kind of order food 25 percent if you have 100 seats. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. David versus Goliath, social media taking over Wall Street, and now bipartisan outrage over handcuffs put on the average guys. The group of average investors who got together on Reddit colluding to buy the same stock, and that forced the price to go up, hurting the big hedge fund managers. Susan Lee. The Reddit Raiders take down Titans on Wall Street, and the Titans changed the rules because they didn't like it. Inside the most compelling, revealing story of how business is really run on Wall Street and how both Republicans and Democrats agree that this outrageousness has to stop and cannot stand. Number two. They thought the virus was in China. It had left China. It had gone to Europe, and it came here for three months before they ever knew. Incompetent government kills people. More people died than needed to die in COVID. That's the truth. That is the truth. And we just found out some of the truth yesterday, Governor Cuomo. Now it's official. Cuomo lied and seniors died. The Emmy Award-winning self-congratulating governor of New York gets a hard report from the Democratic AG. He's going to have a presser soon. We'll bring you the details. Number one. Unity also is trying to get at at a minimum. If, if you pass a piece of legislation that breaks down on party lines, but it gets passed, it doesn't mean there wasn't unity. It just means it wasn't bipartisan. I prefer these things to be bipartisan. Have you ever heard a stupider sentence in your life? Mr. Unity is actually Mr. Unilaterally. Uh, That's how I describe uh, President Biden's first 10 days in office, jamming through 40 executive orders and actions, crushing tens of thousands of jobs immediately. And now his party is about to slam through a $1.9 trillion aid package without a single Republican vote. You didn't buy that coming together stuff, did you? Now it's time to bring in Geraldo Rivera. Geraldo, welcome. Unilaterally, I love that, Brian. Very yes. clever. Uh, that's uh, thank you. I really came up with that at three in the morning, and it's uh, sometimes <laughs> sometimes you don't like the three early. in the morning mindset, and sometimes you do. So, 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 Geraldo, on this, I could not be more disappointed. I know you wanted to see some coming together, 
and I thought so, too. At the very least, there wouldn't be 40 executive orders. But I got to bring you to what Kim Strassel wrote back in today's Wall Street Journal. Do you realize the Democrats, they already started today with Jen Psaki's presser that just started. It's such an emergency. We are going to use reconciliation the past $1.9 trillion that they couldn't even justify on a bipartisan uh, Zoom call last weekend that Joe Manchin put together. Can you, do you talk about poisoning the well? Two weeks in, they could poison the well for four years. It really demonstrates how far apart the political parties are. And it is also having the perhaps unintended consequence of rehabilitating President Trump from the aftermath of the January 6th riot. What people are seeing is, uh, all right, here's the Democrats, the old school Democrats, the progressive Democrats, the climate Democrats, the, the no pipeline Democrats, the, uh, you know, every, everything that you feared about uh, the Democratic Party coming true, and these executive orders, this clumsiness uh, of, uh, of the 46th president, how he's, uh, you know, he, he talked one game, sweetness and light and unity running for president, and then he gets in office and he's, he's a hammer, a Democratic hammer, a left-wing hammer, and it's, uh, uh, it's sad. I, I don't know what uh, what happens? I think as a result, the president will be easily acquitted in his impeachment trial. The country will be divided. Trump will be rehabilitated. He'll uh, he'll mold that Republican Party in his image. Biden, uh, to the extent he can, will continue to make the Democrats a left-wing, progressive, socialist party uh, and use these uh, these executive orders to bypass Congress. It's uh, it's quite lamentable, and I understand why. Uh, people like my uh, senator here in Ohio, Rob Portman, has just announced he's not running for re-election. Yeah, which is a shame. Uh, who do you think would step in there? My my gut said Jim Jordan, but does that reflect all of Ohio? I mean, I could not be more impressed with him, but he's a staunch conservative. Rob Portman necessarily wasn't. What do you think? Well, I, I I would think you know you you jump to Jim Jordan. He's certainly the most uh, well known of the congressional uh, delegation of the Republican delegation uh, here, and he's been a stalwart defender of President Trump. And he's very different than the other Republican uh, that we're uh, we're neighbors with here, Anthony Gonzalez, who is one of the ten who voted to impeach the president. Uh, but Jim Jordan has just announced he will not seek Rob Portman's seat. I don't know why he will not. Uh, you know, there were some issues that he had uh, long ago at uh, Ohio State. Maybe that's it. Uh, he doesn't want to be, uh, you know, uh, in that hot seat. Uh, but uh, he's the head of the Judiciary Committee on the minority side in the House. He's uh, effective as, uh, you know, the hammer of the right. Uh, I think he relishes that role. He gets mocked on Saturday Night Live, <laughs> as he is without his jacket on. Uh, you know, it's kind of funny. Uh, I, I guess, and he's young, I guess he just wants to be a congressman for a while and uh, maybe get the the next seat that comes up, Sherrod Brown, the Democrat. So your ex-city, New York City, run by Governor Andrew Cuomo, who's wrote a best-selling book on how to beat a pandemic, even though we lead the nation in deaths, uh, and how to um, get an Emmy Award, uh, even though modest stuff that he says is incorrect. First and foremost is what's going on with the nursing homes, and not so much that people make mistakes leaders do, especially you have to, in the middle of a pandemic or a war. But the fact that he denied it, blamed it on the CDC, blamed it on the president, and then it turns out his own attorney general, Democratic attorney general, did a report, a scathing report on underreporting these deaths and more by 50 percent. And ironically, before this report came out, here is Andrew Cuomo describing, I guess, Donald Trump. Cut nine. 
They thought the virus was in China. It had left China. It had gone to Europe, and it came here for three months before they ever knew. Uh, incompetent government kills people. Incompetent government kills people. More people died than needed to die in COVID. That's the truth. They thought, uh, he told us, 3,829 died in nursing homes. It was actually over 12,500. And the decision to go back and put them in while infected killed uh, uh, killed many more. What's your reaction to this? And what kind of blowback do you think he'll get when you got the Democratic attorney general and the Democratic mayor questioning him? It's not just that Letitia James, the attorney general of New York State, is a Democrat. She's a hard left Democrat. Good point. Uh, very, very vocal, very uh, partisan, hates Donald Trump, uh, goes, you know, harasses him every chance she gets. So for her to issue this scathing report about uh, fellow Democrat, the, uh, the governor, uh, Andrew Cuomo, is, is quite stunning. And it's quite revealing. And I feel awful every time I hear the story because of our friendship with Janice Dean, our weather, our weather person. She's so, so nice, and she's been so stalwart in this. And she and her husband lost uh, his parents to exactly this problem. I, I think, you know, Brian, uh, being a lifelong New Yorker, when I look at this, what, what I see is a little different than other people. What I see is the toxic relationship between the nursing home industry and the governor's administration or whoever the powers that be in Albany, the state capital. Uh, the nursing home industry has, has real sway over the governor and the other politicians in that state. They spend a lot of money politically lobbying, and it was the nursing home industry, I am sure, who did a couple of things. One, what they, they saw the writing on the wall when you had very sick people in the nursing homes. They said, get them out of the nursing homes so they don't die in the nursing homes. They die in the hospital, so it will be the hospitals that get the accounting for the dead. All right, uh, 10 dead uh, today, but they died in the hospital. They didn't die in my nursing home. So that's what the attorney general said, saw through that, that fraud and said, wait a second, if they're, if they're uh, you know, on death's door and you ship them to the hospital to die, they're your casualty, not the hospital's casualty. And in terms of bringing the infected patients back to the nursing homes when, when they uh, had uh, some semblance of recovery in the hospital and thereby causing infections uh, to run wildfire through the nursing homes, I, I think that there's going to be hell to pay. Uh, I, I, I wonder how many the total dead mm -hmm. is. And also, when I look at Andrew Cuomo and his national aspirations, I think they're over. I think that this report kills any possibility that Andrew Cuomo might seek the presidency. See, I, I thought so, too. But ABC World News tonight, zero minutes. CBS, eight minutes. NBC, one minute, 26 seconds. Maybe if no one covers it, maybe he survives. Uh, but I want you to hear they just asked this question when I asked you the question uh, with Jen Psaki. So I'll hear with let's just listen together. Thank you, Jen. Um, the New York Attorney General released a report yesterday saying that the state had undercounted the number of COVID deaths by as much as 50 percent in nursing homes. Would President Biden support a federal investigation into what happened in Governor Andrew Cuomo's role? Uh, I've seen those reports. Um, I would say any investigation, I would point you to the Department of Justice. There, does the White House think that it should be looked into further? Again, any investigation would be uh, led by the Department of Justice. We're in a new age. They're independent, and they will determine what paths they take moving forward. Okay. On uh, immigration, I know you said— Okay. There you go. That was her answer. Uh, punt.
So yeah, but you know, it, but it's a it's a it's a bad pun because it's not the Department of Justice. It's the Department of Justice if you're in, investigating criminal activity. If you're investigating, uh, you know, bad judgment. That's not necessarily a crime. It's bad, it's bad judgment. I mean, I think that Governor Cuomo wasn't committing a crime when he uh, when he lowballed the number of people who died in nursing homes. Uh, what he was doing is shifting responsibilities, being a sleazy politician. It's a it's not a you know that was a punt by Jen Psaki. Uh, it's it, yes, the J- Department of Justice at times gets involved when there's allegations of Medicaid fraud or whatever. Uh, but in this case, you're talking about appalling judgment where where they did not use the right. Javits Center, for instance, for infected patients when they could have. They did not use the uh, the hospital ship for infected patients as they could have and as they prepared to do. Uh, you know, New York was arrogant, and I, I think the real tragedy of all this is how much of New York State's actions were designed to hurt Donald Trump. How, mu- how much of New York State's actions were designed to make the president of the United States look bad? And I think that when you examine that political motivation, it's not about a crime. It's about they put politics, uh, in, particularly in the beginning, uh, in the hysterical beginnings of this epidemic, they put politics ahead of, uh, of good public health. And I think that's the scandal. And, uh, again, I, I grieve for everyone that was lost, and I, I, I just uh, am I'm relieved that the vaccine has finally uh, started to reach scale in terms of people, uh, uh, you know, being protected against the various scourges that are coming our way. But, uh, man, did, did you, do you realize, Brian, it's a year now? We've been it's a amazing. year living with this thing? It's amazing. But, Geraldo, again, you found the heart of the story because it's not just New York. New York is now going to open up restaurants 25%. They're urging everybody to go back to school. In, in California, same thing started on Friday. You can go uh, eat outdoors, which really is a big boost for that climate. And then you have uh, Seattle, the same thing. All these Democratic governors and mayors are showing this is pure politics. Again, you just found the heart of the story again. That is the story. They put unnecessary suffering on small business people and the citizens of their state because they didn't like the president and we had an election. Final thought? I I think you're absolutely right. I I think the level of hatred of uh, of Trump is uh, something that it's a cancer uh, in in half of uh, American society. Uh, I think it it causes a a response, a protective response. People that would otherwise be uh, angry at him for January 6th or whatever say, wait a second, he's being assailed and has been assailed from the minute he took office uh, as the 45th president by people out to get him. And they went out to get him, even though it cost the country. I, I think it is a story, but I wonder who's going to write it, Brian. And I wonder when it's written, who's going to read it. Um, I think we will at one point. I'll tell you what, the best thing that ever happened to President Trump, I never thought of it, it was the Twitter and Facebook going down because people get a chance to reflect and take a deep breath. And they're just seeing these uh, 40 executive orders. They're seeing the opening up and they're saying they're coming to the conclusion themselves. I think and, that's at some point. Right. And um, yeah, so I look forward to seeing what's going to happen. I know we met with Kevin McCarthy the other day. He says, my big thing is get back the House. And Matt, imagine if he uses the power and his popularity to get back the House and Senate in two years. Uh, and that would be something because the best calling card Republicans have is what Democrats are doing. Listen, I, I, why, oh, my God. I'm looking out my window at a coyote on my front lawn. <laughs> really? Do you have – you should put a sign up. Looking, nope. I'm looking right at a coyote. I want to take a picture. Do you have a dog uh, that you could send out there that's bigger than the coyote? I, I, yeah, they're, they're, 
my two little dogs, uh, Coyote Snacks, uh, <laughs> a.k.a. Coyote Snacks. But, right. Uh, it's time to take things into your own hands. <laughs> I mean, are they going people. after your chickens or <laughs> – what I mean, what? What do they? Why do they have a problem with you? My walking stick. <laughs> Arado, thanks so much. All right, bro. have a great weekend. Uh, we come back. Your calls one eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. Janice Dean at the bottom of the hour. Where we go from here? Not only did she uh, was she uh, aggrieved because of the death of her in laws, she took action, and now that action is reaping results. Brian Kilmeade Show. Holding our politicians' feet to the fire, no matter who they are. That's Brian Kilmeade. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. This is something we've been seeking for a very long time through legislative hearings, forums. We've written to the CDC, President Trump, uh, President Biden, trying to get this information for a very long time. And uh, the commissioner is now trying to really uh, equate the, the total number of all death uh, in New York State to be the issue. And that's not what we're talking about here. Uh, That is William Byrne. He's an assemblyman, Republican, talking about what the conclusion from the uh, uh, from the Cuomo governorships uh, that he during the pandemic okayed a policy that allowed double the number of people recorded die in a nursing home. Amelia listening on the Fox News radio app. Hey, Amelia. Amelia, you're on. Sorry. Hey, Brian, are you able to hear me? I apologize. I hear you over in Salt Lake City, Utah. What's on your mind? Well, I'm just uh, wanting to let people know it's certainly not unique to New York, unfortunately. I'm sure people kind of already know that. Um, uh, Utah has a a triage policy or had a triage policy that if you were over 55 with the virus, you were sent home or sent back. Um, COVID was just rampant in the nursing homes. And uh, I I kind of wonder on the total number of deaths, like recently with Larry King, he had COVID, he was announced COVID-free, only to die a few weeks later from sepsis. That mirrors my mother, who just recently passed away on Martin Luther King Day, actually. Um, She had COVID. Um, She was put in a, a different facility that was like specific for elderly with COVID. Amelia, unfortunately, I'm against a break. Sorry to hear that. Thank you for the story. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. There have been advocates who have lost loved ones who have been asking for answers, accountability, and transparency. And at every turn, the governor and his staff have have smeared those individuals. One of the most notable and most effective advocates is Janice Dean. And they have belittled her each and every day, going so far as calling these family advocates part of a death cult. Finally, today is the first step towards justice. We need to get answers and issue subpoenas immediately against the governor, 
the Commissioner of Health in New York State, Dr. Zucker, and his senior staff, because the corruption is the cover-up. That is uh, really a comprehensive, great analysis by the New York Congresswoman Elise Stefanik. Uh, she's in the Rochester area. Joining us now is Janice Dean, Fox's senior uh, meteorologist, but also it's, it's her uh, editorial that really made the cover in the New York Post today because it was her in-laws who lost their lives in nursing homes, leaving with nothing but questions and grief. And now we're finally getting some answers. Janice, before we go forward, can you, if you would, give everyone around the country an idea of how you found out your in-laws were even in in, in physical peril, in medical peril, and then how you eventually found out what happened? Well, we lost my father-in-law in his nursing home at the end of March, and we didn't even know there was an executive order to put COVID-positive patients into nursing homes. No one told us that. I remember a red flag after hearing this when we got a call from my father-in-law's nursing home saying we were, they were going to move him to another floor to allow more patients to come in. And I didn't know that at the time, that they were going to bring possibly infected patients into his nursing home. So he died first. And then my mother-in-law, who was in an assisted living facility, we planned to have them both together, by the way. Um, Mickey was, was, had health issues and needed rehab. Um, but his, his, he never got there, obviously, because he died at the end of March. And then my mother-in-law got COVID in her assisted living facility and died in the hospital. And we started finding out afterwards that the governor was not counting people like my mother-in-law who died in the hospital. So that was these were these were clues that I were was gathering on my own while we were grieving and weren't able to have wakes or funerals. So you might be thinking to yourself, this is tragic and there's so many people dying that we never see this in 107 years. So uh, when did you realize there was a problem with transparency here. When did you realize this was possibly preventable? When did you realize that thousands were going to be and were in the same place as you, mysteriously wondering what happened and why their grandparents, their parents were dead? Probably right after my mother-in-law died, I started seeing a few articles and some reports on Fox and in the New York Post about the governor's mandate, uh, and I would watch the, you know, the local coverage where he would do his PowerPoint presentations every day and not see them asking the questions. And then I would see him on, you know, some of the big networks, the ABCs, the NBCs, and they would joke around about his love life. And, you know, he would go on with his brother on CNN and, and not even talking about the nursing homes. Meanwhile, in the New York Post, there are articles about body bags piling up in cooler trucks and yet he was never asked about that so when i saw these reports and i saw the fact that this governor wasn't being asked these questions that's when i decided i it was time for me to speak out up and the first time i did was at the end of may on tucker carlson's show after they had just reversed the mandate to stop putting COVID-positive patients into nursing homes by the way that mandate you can't find it on the health department website they scrubbed it It was March 25th, right? March 25th to May 10th. So that's what they were doing, and the results were massive deaths. What did we just find out about the total deaths now, and how was that different than what he told us? Well, that's another thing. There was always the assumption that they were undercounting the deaths because of, uh, like my mother-in-law, she died in the hospital, and her number didn't count. And there were people that wanted those numbers 
because the governor was going on when he was asked about the question about the nursing homes and saying, oh, well, we're far down the list. New York didn't have that many nursing home deaths because he was using bad math. And we all knew he wasn't counting those that died in the hospital. So there were requests by some journalists, FOIL requests, to get those numbers that kept being stonewalled. We were supposed to get it before the election, then after the election, now February, now into March. Um, And the Justice Department also had an investigation into this governor and his health commissioner about the numbers. And it was only until yesterday, Brian. And it was a surprise by New York's AG that she had conducted her own investigation and came up with the result of at least 50 percent more deaths than were reported by this governor and his administration. So it's up around 12,500? Right. But I believe there's more because it's an ongoing investigation. And we still have to hear from the commissioner. The, uh, you know, the health commissioner came out with a bunch of numbers yesterday when he's been stonewalling all of these months. Uh, but I think we need an independent bipartisan investigation with subpoena power where these people go in front of a judge and the jury and they are asked to tell the whole truth and nothing about, but the truth. That is the only way we're going to get real answers from this governor and his administration. So we here's what uh, tell me if this helps you helps you. First off, we know what he said in the years past. Well, I was going by CDC regulations. It came from the CDC and we know that's been vehemently denied. So Dr. Howard Zucker, uh, he says the OAG report is only referring to the count of people who were in nursing homes but transferred to hospitals and later died. The OAG suggests that all should be counted in, as nursing home deaths and not hospital deaths, even though they died in hospitals. That does not in any way change the total of deaths, but is instead a question of allocating the number of deaths between hospitals and nursing homes. Does that make anything better? No. No, it doesn't. Uh, he's just avoiding and, and not answering the question. And I expected that. And the governor, by the way, is going to give his press conference at 1130. And I expect him to also blame and divert and not give the right responses. He's done this his whole whole life as a governor. Uh, but I'm finally glad that maybe there is a, a light that is being shone on this and that maybe that will be a bit of a, a disinfectant. But until we have a real investigation, again, uh, maybe a grand jury investigation into this governor, uh, that's when, uh, you know, I won't hold my breath, but that's probably when we would get our answers. What about the nursing home system? Do you hold them culpable? Should they have known better? Should they have protested more if they knew this policy was bad? As, as Dr. Siegel told us today, nursing homes aren't equipped to handle sick patients. They know that. They aren't. They really aren't. As Dr. Siegel said, the hospital is equipped. But that's another thing that we have to investigate. Where was the governor getting this information? Because I've heard whispers that he was getting the information from hospital lobbyists to put these patients into nursing homes. So there's a whole trail of possible corruption from this governor and a money trail and lobbyists. But all I know is I I want the answers. And the fact that this guy put positive patients in the nursing homes, even a young person would know not to do something like that. Even the governor at one point said it would be like fire through dry grass. He knew his decision was not based on science. So you have to look at that decision. Over 6,000 infected patients were put into nursing homes. So yes, the, the nursing homes could not take these patients. They were actually begging him to not force them onto them. There were many nursing homes uh, operators I've talked to, owners, that said they felt they had no choice, Brian, but to take these these uh, patients. 
Yeah, and other states have had these problems. I think Pennsylvania is another one uh, that had these problems. We just took a call right before this segment from a woman in Utah who's, uh, who lost her mom that way. Uh, same thing. You know, they just went along with what the protocol was. Next thing you know, yeah, she's passed away. So that's the issue. What I find unbelievable is they want to criticize, does this Biden administration, Governor DeSantis, and the way he handled the nursing home situation. So he confronted that last night, cut 16. We focus protection on elderly people rather than trying to shut the entire society down. So at the front end of the pandemic, uh, I barred hospitals from discharging COVID patients back into nursing homes. That was able to save a lot of lives on the front end. And now here on hopefully the back end of the pandemic, our approach to vaccination is putting seniors first. So is there anything wrong with that policy? It's a great policy. He put seniors first. And by the way, the only governors that put COVID-positive patients into nursing homes were ones wearing the D jersey, Democrats, not only in New York, but in New Jersey, in Pennsylvania, in California, and Michigan. Five, five governors that were Democrats decided to put infected patients into nursing homes. So I don't think this is just a New York problem. I actually think this is a broader issue. Why did those five governors out of 50 do this? So you and you think they're too smart to have not done this because you think it was a a pressure situation, a pressure group, and you want to get to the bottom of it. I really do, Brian. I don't know if I ever will. This um, report yesterday is a door opening, but there's more work to do because, um, you know, I think there's a lot more to uncover. Let's see what he says today, Janice. I'm sure he'll give you a lot more to talk about. The last thing you'd ever expect this guy to do is admit he was wrong uh, or deceitful uh, because that wouldn't be in his book. Uh, that way you don't write a book in the middle of a pandemic, how great you are, if your ego isn't totally out of control, and his is. Janice, thanks so much. Brian, thank you. Keep fighting. Uh, Janice Dean, one eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. We'll find out if there's more to know and take some calls. I see you all over there from New York to Missouri uh, to South Bend, Indiana. Uh, we'll get to you. Giving you everything you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From his mouth to to your your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome back, everyone. I'll get to more to know in a second. I did want to get to some uh, calls as well. Uh, Governor Cuomo is going to be speaking in about 30 minutes about nursing homes. We also believe, and this is great news for us here locally, he's going to announce in New York City that the restaurants can open. Uh, They're angry, but they get 25 percent just to start. Open it up a crack. The numbers are dropping across the country, 39 percent. We have the deaths are down. It's a lagging indicator. And with the vaccines coming out, come on, guys, back to school, back to work. Let's get going. William, listen on WTRC in South Bend, Indiana. Hey, good morning, Brian. Thanks for taking my call. I, I talk to you quite often, and thank you. And still appreciate everything that <clears throat> that you bring to us. Um, I'm also a big advocate of watching Fox every morning, and God bless Janice. I mean, I've I've been seeing her carry on, or not carry on, but talk about this for many, many months. I'm glad that she's actually getting some some uh, resolution um, in the right direction, and and unfortunately. 
when we look at what took place with the Russian probe, nobody was ever held accountable. So the chances of, of finding somebody to hold them accountable for what's taking place here, are, um, in my opinion, not not very very strong. But um, when it comes to the the old Biden um, administration, it just uh, I find it amazing that. Uh, Pennsylvania was a blue state. All the Teamsters behind him, supposedly. And what he just did with when they're talking about cutting the 11,000 jobs, it goes much deeper than that. Um, Trump mandated that they use steel for that pipeline. American-made steel, I should say. Yep. Which, that's one of the things. Then you look at everybody else. I mean, there are so, it's like a domino. There are so many different industries that people don't even know about that are affected by this. They have no idea that somebody else, that the, the truckers that get the steel, I mean, it just goes on and on. Yeah, so, it, ripple, it ripples through. It ripples through the towns as, it, as they pop up and they move through. These workers got to stay in hotels and they got to eat at restaurants and it gives them uh, some certainty of a living for the next two years as they finish this thing off. And the other thing is we're still going to get the oil. It's going to be on trucks and rails, which is more of a carbon footprint, which it doesn't help anyone, William. It doesn't help the greens and it doesn't help the workers. And then for, you, for you to walk up to a 50-year-old and say, okay, I took away your job, but how would you like to make a solar panel or code? It's the biggest insult in the world. You want the government telling you what your career you should have? I mean, come on. Like, I, I'll give you an example of the way it should work. GM says we're not going to build any more sedans that aren't electric. Joe Biden didn't tell them to do that. Donald Trump didn't tell them to do that. Their business model did. They believe that the American people want to get there, and they finally feel the technology is there. Don't mandate it. It doesn't work. You could support 5G technology in the companies that do it. You have a rocket in Elon Musk and SpaceX. They say they want to stand this up and they want to be able to make space travel and satellite uh, d- deployment cheaper. You could subsidize that. They had a plan. The government's backing up ingenuity. The government's backing up ingenuity. But you don't demand it. So you're just ripping everything out and saying it's an emergency because we had hurricanes. We all know better. I hope Democrats know better. Outside AOC, you think you know it's a farce. Well, let's find out if there's even more to know. More to know. Sponsored by Oxford Gold Group. Call today to learn how you can protect your retirement and savings account. 833-600-GOLD. That's 833-600-GOLD. This is something I knew was the case. Everyone's growing marijuana and says, I can't wait. Making so much money. Well, marijuana lowers IQ. I knew this. New study finds the drug may literally be impacting the intelligence of young users. Researchers at Royal College of Surgeons in Ireland say frequent use of cannabis during adolescence can lead to having a lower IQ. I notice the way people talk when they get high. Even if they are smart, they're not nearly reaching their potential. And something else is unquantifiable. It wipes out ambition. Keep that in mind. Don't make it acceptable. Next, too much fructose may cause a leaky gut. This is disgusting but necessary and lead to a fatty liver disease. So easy on the fructose, which is essentially sugar, right? Go to any grocery store and you're likely uh, to stand in the checkout line behind some shopping cart full of cereal, soft drinks, and pastries, all full of sugar. Your gut's going to leak. I'll tell you, you got to just look for no high fructose corn syrup. Just go for natural sugar. Exactly. Uh, lick some sugar cane. Two and three Americans say giving a driving lesson is much scarier than learning to drive itself. No kidding. Ireland tops Europe for alien visits with 105. I, I missed my swish. Give me one now, Eric. 
Uh, they claim the UFO sighting. So congratulations, uh, Ireland. I really appreciate it. It must be number one clear skies, right? Uh, and and they ha- and they hover longer in Ireland apparently than anywhere else. So in Thirteen Europe. minutes. Yeah. So they had, they hover in 13 minutes. Extraterrestrials visiting France may usually hang around for just six minutes. Have Wait, we got any photos, see? video? So what is we... it that they like so much about Ireland? I, they're fun people, number one. They're not judgmental. Right? They're willing to accept you. And uh, they'll sing in bars. And everyone knows extraterrestrials love to sing. They love the singing, that's true. Right. Uh, I did have my, my, my lone remaining Irish relative visit us like 15 years ago. And she goes, oh, good, a piano. Just sat down and started singing. And I'm Out of nowhere, just like... She, you can tell it's so natural, but there's not a person I know outside Billy Joel, who I don't know that well, that would have done that. What were the songs that she just started belting out? I'm not sure. I, did any I, of you, did you join in? And by the way, she's not that good. You know, it'd be different if she was a great singer. But you're not that good. But I love that. You know, he's supposed to dance like no one's watching, sing like no one's listening, but I was listening. But she does not listen to me in Ireland. So I feel as though I could say this and not feel any repercussions. PETA is calling on humans to denounce animal insults like chicken and pig. They don't want you to say rat, say snitch. Don't say snake, say jerk. Say, don't say sloth, say lazy. Are you willing to make this switch? Pete. I'm going to have to start calling Eric by different names now. Ah, if you don't mind. Easy. The snakes are getting, a really, they're getting very self-conscious. It's hurting their self-esteem. Plus rats. How do they even get up in the morning? Rats, they're, number one, they're under the ground, usually. Uh, usually. They're usually very smelly, way too big, and they're always running from something, always in a rush. They never know when the next meal is. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. It's Brian Kilmeade coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. Carl Rove has been summoned to our show, and he has answered that call. Shannon Bream at the bottom of the hour. It's going to be a great hour. We're waiting on Governor Cuomo to talk for the first time since that horrendous report came out about the underreporting of deaths in nursing homes by 50%. We are supposed to get some good news here, and that is the opening of restaurants. Uh, four days after they said it's going to be a while, it uh, looks like it could be as early as today. Maybe, uh, you don't want to hear the good news? Well, you're going to get it here. Cases are down almost 40% over the last two weeks. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. David versus Goliath, social media taking over Wall Street, and now bipartisan outrage over handcuffs put on the average, guys. The group of average investors who got together on Reddit colluding to buy the same stock, and that forced the price to go up, hurting the big hedge fund managers. Susan Lee breaking it down for us. The Reddit Raiders take down Titans on Wall Street, so the Titans change the rules. Inside the most compelling revealing story and how businesses really run on Wall Street and why Republicans and Democrats agree we need an investigation and things have to change. Number two. They thought the virus was in China. It had left China. It had gone to Europe, and it came here for three months before they ever knew. Incompetent government kills people. More people died than needed to die in COVID. That's the truth. I I assume he's talking about China and himself because this kind of report that came out shows nothing but incompetence. And if you look at the vaccine distribution, 
incompetence. If you ever try to hop online and register, incompetence. Governor Cuomo, uh, now you're finally going to be forced to answer questions. I hope someone has the guts to ask them, and you call on them in about 20 minutes. Number one. Unity also is trying to get at, at a minimum, if, if you pass a piece of legislation that breaks down on party lines, but it gets passed, it doesn't mean there wasn't unity. It just means it wasn't bipartisan. I prefer these things to be bipartisan. Is that the stupidest thing you've ever heard in your life? Mr. Unity is actually Mr. Unilaterally. That's how much I that's how I describe President Biden's first 10 days in office, jamming now 40 executive actions and and orders through, crushing tens of thousands of jobs within minutes, and his party about to unilaterally partisan in a partisan way pass 1.9 trillion dollar aid package using reconciliation. Carl, welcome back. Uh, thank you. I'm I'm glad to be summoned. <laughs> I'm glad you answered. First off, I gotta pl- I gotta play this again. I I pulled this last. Night. I couldn't believe it. I read it like nine times. Cut one. Unity also is trying to get at at a minimum. If if you pass a piece of legislation that breaks down on party lines, but it gets passed, it doesn't mean there wasn't unity. It just means it wasn't bipartisan. I prefer <laughs> these things what, to be bipartisan. What does that, what does that mean? Well, it means you, we're united in our division, or we're divided in our unity. I, I don't know. I don't know. But at least, you know what? It made sort of semi-sense. You could figure it out. How about some of those? I mean, after 3 o'clock in the afternoon, he, he gets a little dipsy sometimes. I mean, there was one that earlier this week where I couldn't figure out what the heck he was trying to say, and they, are, they told us in advance and told us afterwards what he was trying to say. Well, what has happened so far as just an American, forget that I'm lucky enough to host this show and be on this channel I could not be more disappointed. I, I thought that we were going to see both sides disappointed when they go and make deals. We have to get Americans used to possibly cutting some deals again, at least initially, until we got all got midterm fever. But, I mean, if I told you, Carl, 10 days ago there'd be 40 executive actions and orders, what would you have told me? Well, I would have told you absolutely because they, they telegraphed them. They told us during the— during the campaign and the transition, what they were going to be doing. And, you know, some of them, uh, you know, my favorite one is connected to uh, a sub, you know, connected to the news conference at which was announced, uh, at which uh, some similar um, announcements were made. You know, he kills the Keystone XL pipeline, and then they do a bunch of other, uh, of other uh, climate-related measures, and they have Gina McCarthy and Long John Kerry uh, go out and hold a, a briefing in the White House briefing room. And Kerry, they've just wiped out with one signature 11,000 high-paying construction jobs, 8,000 of which are union jobs. But they're all high-paying construction jobs building pipelines and transfer facilities Six figures. in the upper Medway. Yeah, six figures. So our man, our man John Kerry says, well, they can become solar installers, and we're going to create millions of new jobs and they can become solar installers. Well, I went to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Do you know how many people today in America are solar panel installers? How many? Solar, 12,000. Do you know how many the Bureau of Labor Statistics projects we will have by 2029? 18,100. Do you know what they get paid today? 20 bucks an hour, and they generally work less than 40 bucks. You know what they started, what a roused about? That's at the bottom of the, of the ladder in, in uh, oil and gas exploration, they make 30-some-odd dollars an hour, $38 an hour, and they, get, they have over 40 hours of work a week on average. So, yeah, we're going to take those, 
guys and gals who are working in the oil patch who start at $38, and we're going to tell them you get to be a you get to be a solar installer for 20 bucks an hour and work less hours, and you're going to be better off because we're creating millions of new jobs, according to John Kerry. What planet is he living on? Not the planet of reality, obviously. He's living in climate la la land. If he thinks that the you know the uh, 40,000 people who are making uh, uh, generally making over $100,000 a year working in refineries are somehow going to settle for a job that's paying them 20 bucks an hour. Coal plants have been closing over the last 20 years. So uh, what President Biden wants to do is make sure those folks have better choices, that they have alternatives, that they can be the people who go to work to make the solar panels. But unfortunately, workers have been fed a false narrative. No surprise, right, for the last few years. They've been fed uh, the notion that somehow dealing with climate is coming at their expense. No, it's not. Oh, oh okay, great. So the guy and gal who's working in the oil pad, yep. their job, is it, is it going to go away or not go away? Uh, are they going to be forced to become solar panel installers or, or what? All those people who work in those petrochemical refineries, all across the Texas Gulf Coast and into Louisiana and elsewhere around the country. I mean, there's a refinery in Montana, for example. All those people, what are they going to do? Become Their job is not going to be a risk. Make up your mind, John Kerry. You're either going to wipe out the oil and gas industry and stop using hydrocarbons, or you're not. And if you are planning to get rid of hydrocarbons, and you are, one of the things the administration says is by 2035, we want to, in essence, end carbon use in power generation. 80% of our power today comes from hydrocarbons, 10% roughly from coal, 70% from mostly natural gas in the Northeast. Some of it comes from, from uh, petroleum oil at, uh, oil itself. And, and you're going to, in 15 years, 14 years, replace all of that capacity that's generating 80% of our, of our electricity, and you're going to replace it with wind and solar and renewables? Baloney! Baloney! And and you talk about feeding them a line. I mean, is he? I, I'm serious. Is he tethered to reality? Does he really believe yes. that in 15 years we can do this? I mean, look, Texas. You may not know this, Brian. Texas has the largest percentage of renewables in its energy production plat, uh, uh, portfolio of any state in the country, of any state. And we've been working at it for nearly 30 years since the mid 90s. And guess what? We are not generating 80 percent of our electricity. From, from wind and solar and renewables, we just, you know, we're not. And that's what, this is a pipe dream that will come at the cost of jobs, prosperity, and it's going to affect everybody. It's not just going to affect that guy or gal working out in the Permian Basin or in the refinery in Beaumont. It's going to affect everybody because the cost of a generating electricity is going to rise if these people, you know, solar and renewables are more expensive than natural gas and <laughs> And if you add up the amount of carbon that has to be uh, produced in, in order to put up a windmill, it's, it, you know, a wind turbine, it's pretty damn, you know, carbon intensive. But, you know, this is ridiculous. And, and, to, and, and, and to think that this is going to be done without damaging our economy, damaging people's livelihoods, causing people to be dislocated. Where, are all those people in the Permian Basin of West Texas – or in the oil and gas producing parts of Wyoming, where are they going to go to install solar panels? <laughs> when you finish doing Cheyenne, you got. To, what are you going to do? Move to San Francisco? 
Well, uh, I don't think they need solar panels. They're already outside. Most of them are sleeping on the street. Um, if you want to know how wrong his policy is with most of America, listen to who's p- pleased. Cut for I'm feeling extraordinarily encouraged, and I think that the significance of uh, President Biden's executive orders communicates a lot. I hear you, and I agree with it. It communicates a lot. And I, I'm going to give this analogy and see if you buy into it. You know, you wanted to be you, your administration, uh, you, President Bush, wanted to, to be an education presidency, right? Uh, and when 9-11 happens, you realize you got to change your priorities. He comes into the job, and he's got a pandemic, and he says, that's my priority. But what is he talking about? Destroying our energy uh, our energy industry and, and then yeah. switching over to this green technology, in most of which is unproven and unwanted. It shows, the, it shows anti-leadership. Yeah, absolutely. And look, there, there, un, there, there, there will be consequences of this that we're not really talking about. I want you to think about this. Oil and gas does go to power our utilities and to power our cars and our trucks. But it also gets made into a lot of things. You know, and, and if, you, if you diminish the supply of oil and gas by restricting its development, the price of, oil, of uh, that oil and gas is going to go up. So the price of those plastics that go into your cars and go into planes, the high-performance plastics, they're going to go up, meaning it's going to cost more to buy that car and to fly on that airplane. Lululemon, do you think that stuff is made out? What do you think that's made out of? It's made out of polyester. It's made out of stuff that comes from oil and gas, you know, pharmaceuticals, everything in our lives. Almost if you look around the room in which you find yourself and look at everything that's made out of chemicals that are derived from oil and gas and the cost of all of those things is right. going to go up. Uh, you know, it's it's exasperating. And, and my to finish my analogy, my analogy would be imagine if you refused to come off being an education president. Imagine if you said, yeah, we're going to go look for bin Laden. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, we're going to send some troops over there. But I, I got this. I want to redo our education system. No, we had to change the country. We had to change the yeah. focus. We had to yep. uh, build yep. up surveillance. We had to launch the Department of Homeland Security. And it, you know what? If people had a problem with that, that's called leadership. You elected me. I'm leading. They elected him and he's ignoring. And to do. And if you want case in point, agenda aside, you would never ever do anything to attract Central American nations to our southern border and stop the wall if you cared about the spreading of our pandemic from the outside. It's okay to ban Europe from flying in here without a test, but it is, uh, but it is, not, it is A-OK for anyone we don't know to come across without a mask and without a, uh, and without a rapid test. Why, how do those two things gel with each other? Well, they don't, obviously. And I'll tell you what also doesn't gel. What also doesn't gel is the moral indignation that, that Democrats have today and the Biden administration has against the wall. When the Obama-Biden administration built the second largest amount of wall along the southern border, exceeded only by the amount of original wall built by Bush, the guy who has refurbished the most amount of miles along the southern border is Donald Trump. So, you know, if, you're, if, you were, if, if the wall is so heinous, why did you build it? Why, why in the Obama-Biden years did you recognize that the, what our Border Patrol people were telling you was true, which is walls help secure our borders, and in some parts of the southwestern border are absolutely essential to keeping America safe and secure and, and our borders from being porous and allowing traffickers of money, drugs, right. and people to move back and forth? It, it makes no sense. And, and the thing is, 
And and I thought you'd be the perfect person to ask this, but I don't think you invited this. You were as happy with this question as I thought you would be. But you know to talk about immigration reform, the traditional arguments. Uh, they want amnesty, and Republicans want security. With 350 miles of wall already paid for, and the pa- and the ballots are made, and if you guarantee another billion for the next three years, you can get up to over 1,000 miles of wall to finish its 1,400. You could pressure Republicans to come to the table and say, I'm yeah. giving you border security. Now, yeah. this is Reagan never got it. Reagan got word of mouth. He never got, he never got the security. So they got amnesty, right. never got security. So couldn't you pressure Republicans to come to the table? Yeah, you could. And look, uh, there are other things that you'd do if you were in, if you're trying to cut that deal. First of all, you don't need wall along every mile of the southwestern border. The Santa Elena Canyon of the Rio Grande River between Texas and Mexico, the U.S. border is about 700 or 800 feet up in the air. Excuse me, the U.S. border is about 1,500 feet up in yeah. the air, and the Mexican border is 700. So you don't need to build a. I want to meet the Mexican who climbs down that you know 750. <laughs> foot cliff and then swims the river and then climbs up the 1500 foot u.s side i want to meet that guy because that guy's got go-go but 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 here's one other thing you would do you'd say okay we want to resolve the situation of the people who are here in the united states illegally and give them a chance if they want to to remain here and ultimately become citizens but you don't do what they're proposing to do which is to say within three years they get a green card which means within eight years they all become citizens which means they are going to become citizens if they pass this Sooner than people who are standing in line today waiting patiently legally. And that shouldn't happen. That was one of the things that even Ted Kennedy agreed to in 2006 and 7 was if we were going to resolve the situation of the people who are here illegally, there was no way that they were going to become citizens before everybody who was standing in line became a citizen. I hear you. Uh, I I just I just. You know, I'm just stunned by the 70-year-old guy that, that a lot of people believe was going to be a moderate is totally dividing the country further and uniting Republicans. Real quick, uh, and I'm up against it, just in one minute, what do you think is going to come out of the McCarthy-Trump meeting yesterday? Well, I, I, I'm, I'm not much. I mean, I just I, I think it was a pleasant meeting and they've said the right things. But, but look, I think Donald Trump is trying to figure out what his life is going to be like. And frankly, I don't think he's going to know until the year is over. He's, he's trying to settle into being uh, his post-presidency, and he's got all, he's got uh, the, the Manhattan DA after him, the New York Attorney General after him. He's got $400 million of, of business uh, loans that need to be refinanced. He's got to restructure his business. Yeah, and, and, and I think figuring out his political future is, is down there. And it, was, it was good that he said, I'm going to help uh, get a Republican House and elect Republicans in 2022, but I think we've, we've got to wait for some months for him to figure out what he wants to do. Carl Rove, thanks so much. Have a great weekend. Your call's next. Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Welcome back, everybody. Don't have much time. I went a little long because I could talk to uh, Carl Rove forever. Coming up next, though, Shannon Bream. We'll talk about the ongoing story, what's happened with this Reddit scandal. As you see, these 19, 20-year-olds got on Reddit. They decided to pick a couple of stocks, uh, BlackBerry. They also uh, they also picked uh, GameStop, and they decided to uh, bet on it and rise, raise the price, uh, price up. The problem is, in layman's terms, all these hedge funds were betting and driving it down. 
So they were looking to uh, bet on the lows, and these 20-year-olds pushed it high. So they lost billions of dollars, and they didn't like that. So you know what they did? They froze the stock, and they told Robinhood, who was, pro- who was getting all the trades, you're on ice too. They had no money, actually, Robinhood, to back up all the revenue they needed. They needed to be more liquid. So they had to take out massive loans just to pay off what they said they were responsible for because they never predicted it. And I think the analogy they gave was, do you remember Clorox and Lysol? They thought they had a lot of product until the pandemic hit. They quickly ran out. We were, we were Clorox and Lysol. But if you listen to Rob Portnoy, Dave Portnoy, he says they should be out of business, and they lied. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. If you want to understand why the platforms are shutting this down, it's not, I I believe it's not so much that they're on the sides of of big business or big hedge funds. They have massive liability on their side because here's what's going to happen. I promise you this will happen when this is over and it will end and all these stocks come crashing back down to their fundamental values. There are going to be lawsuits flying and you know who's going to be named everyone? Robin Hood, Ameritrade, all the platforms that did the trades are going to say, you should have known better. You knew there was fraud because all it takes is that they prove collusion or, or manipulation. The platforms had a fiduciary responsibility to protect people. So that's why they're shutting these things down because they have massive so, so- liability. Yeah, I guess I'm not smart enough to figure that out. That's Jordan Belfort, Wolf of Wall Street. So he knows scams. Uh, they made a movie about it, went to prison for it. But I don't, think, I don't understand why the platforms, if they have the money, if they can back it up and you can do a trade, I think it's the other way around. Why are you preventing me from doing a trade as an American citizen? What do I do with a clean background? How can you discriminate against me if I want to make that trade? Shannon Bream's with us now, right now, Fox News legal correspondent, anchor of Fox News at night. You see her at 11 o'clock. Shannon, uh, I don't specialize in stock trades, but this story fascinates me. Do you think that is something to do you think lawsuits are going to come flying out of this when we people realize they're stuck with GameStop, which is not a great stock and others? I think it's possible. I think there could be lawsuits for all kinds of things if somebody thought a platform was going to provide them their ability to get into this uh, whole transaction the way they wanted to, and then the platform said no. Um, I think, or or that they, yeah, they were stuck with things that they don't really want that they want to get rid of now. I, I think it's possible. I think that people are so frustrated because this seems to point to this bigger tension we've been seeing the last few years where people feel like it's the elites against the regular people. Um, knowing that people who are in hedge funds and make billions of dollars uh, and have figured out the way to do this, why are they allowed to do it when the little guy figures out their platform, their way to do it, and they're cut off from the same benefits? I think it just speaks to that whole larger issue that whether it's a Bernie Sanders populism or a Donald Trump populism, I mean, that, that tension and that frustration is really out there. I think this is just sort of a microcosm of it. Yeah, uh, Dave Portnoy. So Dave Portnoy was one of those people training with the other guys. He saw what was happening, and he hopped on. And he said, I'll probably lose a million dollars, but he's not worried about it. Neither would I. I mean, million dollars, million Well, clearly. Yeah. So here's what he was was saying. Cut 40. 
I've been trading heavily since quarantine started, and I was shocked by this. Uh, I personally did invest in AMC and Nokia. Those are two of the stocks that the Reddit guys and the Wall Street Bets guys were pushing. I believed in the power of the Internet. When I saw what uh, Robinhood was doing, ironically, Robinhood take from, you know, take from the rich and give to the poor, even though they do the exact (laughs) opposite. I was stunned. Uh, I think it's criminal. I think there has to be an investigation. I think people have to go to jail. Whether that actually happens, I don't know. But I've never been more convinced about market manipulation and the people, the hedge funds, controlling the game than today. Because you, you drive it down, you bet on driving it down, and then you make you reap all these profits. Nobody benefits except you. Yeah, and, and the thing is, if, if companies and hedge funds are allowed to do it, then why aren't regular people allowed to do it? If it's not illegal, if it's just a an investment um you know, strategy, then why should it only be available to some people and not others? I think that's the question now that we're all hearing as we try to figure this out. And I keep reading, you know, articles entitled, you know, explaining the GameStop situation for dummies. And I get done with it and I'm still like, I still feel dumb. Um, But I think we get the overall gist of what's happening. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a lot of legal action around this, but I think it's also opened a lot of people's eyes to say like, gosh, there's still sort of a double standard with a lot of things that the elite class or the billionaires who figure out to how to do something to their advantage are only going to get to continue doing it. And if you figure it out, they're going to try to guard their turf. So we just let you hear Jordan Belfort, who used to screw people uh, and went to jail for it, uh, played by Leo DiCaprio, who I'm talking, if my life story is going to be done, I think he's sexy enough to play me. You might have different ideas. Do you think? I think if he continues... You're asking a lot of him. Right. If he can... Uh, get himself onto some type of fitness program. I feel like right. that has slipped a little bit. Right, he does need some help with yes. that. Mm-hmm. Um, do something with that hair. So, uh, I know, but, and those blue eyes. Right, yeah, that's not going to fly long term. But, <laughs> but having said that, you know, you, everybody knows him, who, how he was portrayed. So he says, this is the scam and who's going to get sued. Everybody else, like Dave Portnoy, represents the everyman. This guy, Lee Cooperman, represents the every billionaire man. He's with Omega Family. Uh, he's the CEO of Omega Family Office, so he's a multi-billionaire. Here's his reaction. Hold your ears. The reason the market is doing what it's doing is people are sitting at home getting the checks from the government. This fair share is a bullshit concept. It's just a way of attacking wealthy people, and, you know, I think it's inappropriate. We all got to work together and pull together. Right. We got to work together, pull together. I just want to be a billionaire, and I'd rather you don't be a billionaire. <laughs> Why can't? What's wrong with that? I like the way it is now. I, I'm not sure that came off the way he would want that to come off. Because uh, <laughs> I heard it, and I'm like, all right, I'm trying to stay with you here. What he's saying, like, we all have to work together and all that. But he also is, listen, he's pointing to something, which is this message that we keep getting that you got to go after the rich people. you got to tax them more. And he was, you know, he touched on that, too, saying, like, the rich people, when you look at the percentage of how much of U.S. income that they cover in paying um, to various taxes – is pretty substantial. I mean, it's like the top 1% yeah, of pays course. some huge percentage of the rest of the taxes. So I understand his frustration in saying, like, why is everybody trying to always go after the rich guys? And, the, and it seems like he's saying they're demonizing us, and so everybody wants to come after us. Right. Um, but listen, if they just want to come after a part of what you have so they can have it too, that's not the same as people coming after you. I do but, think there's a difference. If other people mm-hmm. – listen, if, and, and the conversation is, are some people doing this out of spite just to burn these hedge fund managers who sell short – that might be part of it, but my my um, bigger thought is that people are just doing it to make their own money. 
But the that thing makes is, more sense to me. And that's the thing is, Shannon, if there's a vulnerability there, just because the guy's 21 years old and figured it out, and you've been you're 65 and you, it took you forever to make that billion, they looked at the system and they and they said, we're going to, we know they're driving down the stock artificially. Why don't we drive it up and destroy them and make some money in the in the meantime? Tough. Get over it. Those are, those are the rules they're playing with. If there's a problem, sue me. And as Dave Portner brought up, he said for the longest time they played football without the forward pass, and then somebody figured out the forward pass, and it kind of changed the game. We got Tom Brady. So the, don't blame the people that came up with the idea of the forward pass. It was in the rules to begin with. They were able to exploit them. And here's an example. Go ahead. There was a time where we played football without the forward pass. Yeah, it was mostly running leather helmets. Just running? Yeah, just run. So boring. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Right. The game must have lasted like nine minutes. <laughs> I learned something new every day. <laughs> right. So you sidetracked me. How dare you? I'm usually I'm, sorry. I'm the I'm master sorry, yeah, sidetracker. Yeah. If, if other people figure out the rules can, and can use them and exploit them to their advantage, as long as it's legal, yes. then I don't know how you can bellyache about them doing the same thing that you've been doing for decades. Look, you and I, I mean, uh, I'm going to, this is the last thing I'm going to bring up on this. I know you want to do another story. I feel your angst. Daniel, Daniel <laughs> Lai writes this. He's 22 years old from Los Angeles County. He said, a lot of regular, hardworking Americans have been putting their money in, hoping and praying that they can get something out of it during this time when everybody is struggling. I felt like it was not just a betrayal, but completely unethical. And he's talking about the freezing of the stock and mm-hmm. the stopping of the uh, unable to trade it. And that's why Dave Portnoy goes, this is illegal. This is uh, you, all, you all failed. You all should go to jail. So yeah. that was a real person. Most of these people are young. They go, how dare you be better at my game than I am right. at my game? Mm-hmm. And that's what we're hearing right now. Right. And, I mean, to, to look at the amount of money that people have been able to make, those who were able to successfully pull this off before things got shut down, I mean, it's, it's stunning. And you can't blame them for trying it. So we have a situation where the uh, Johnson & Johnson shot, it's going to be a single shot, but the numbers aren't as great in terms of inoculation. Around 72% of you get it, there's 72% chance it'll protect you. So uh, it's so, so encouraging to get some more vaccines out there. What are you doing with this story? Well, I mean, there have been so many problems with the rollouts. Um, I think that that's been the main story we've been covering is people who are saying, I'm, you know, the technology that they make you use to sign up, like go on the Internet or get the app or whatever, like the people who are 95 years old who need this thing, they don't know how to do that stuff. I'm like, please tell me that's not how my mom and dad have to sign up because they'll never figure it out if it's an online thing. I mean, I barely get my mom to read her email. So I'm like finding phone numbers for them and calling people. So you can't make everything super digital and you get your slot and you sign up for people who are 70 plus. That's for some of them. That's just not going to be the language they speak and they need the direct access. And we keep seeing all of these states saying, I need more, you know, vaccine. You go on the CDC website, which there is a little bit of lag a couple of days, I understand in reporting, but some of these states have hundreds of thousands of doses or a million doses uh, close to it the other day in New York, well, they're demanding more vaccines, and they have those doses sitting on the shelf that don't show, at least according to CDC data, that they've gotten into anyone's arms. So there's clearly some breakdown. The states who seem to be doing the best are the ones who are saying, you know, forget the guidelines. We're just going to do what works for us, like Florida and West Virginia and and other Alaska, other states that say we're just going to do what's best for our people. Do you want to tell me your guess or you want it to be a surprise? I want it to be a surprise because at this point it might be a surprise to me. <laughs> I, I mean, listen, hesitate. by the time that I do this phone call with you, you know I have a weird schedule. I mean, I've still got sheet marks on my face by the time I'm on the phone with you. So. <laughs> uh, I, there's a lot to figure out in the what day. Are you trying to, do you sleep under the sheets? 
I've never heard of that. I mean, what's <laughs> going on? It's very cold right hiding now, from? so I do. Oh, it's just, cold. Get under there. You're not We're scared or anything, are you? I'm not what? You're not scared. Is that like you're not hiding under the sheets? Oh, no. I'm a ninja, so I'm good. All right, good. Uh, Mar- this has been very interesting, Shannon. I really you. appreciate your time. Talk to you soon, Brian. Uh, Shannon Bream. When we come back, uh, we find out there's more to know, and I see a lot of calls up there. I'll try to get all of them in. Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. We stand with our customers. We stand for uh, the everyday investor, and we do believe that you should be able to buy and sell the stocks that uh, that you want to, uh, subject to all requirements. Ultimately, the team uh, made the correct decision here. No one believes this. They believe they had no shot. And according to Dave Portnoy, that was the CEO of Robinhood. According to Dave Portnoy, they will never do business again. And today could be their last day. Ray, listen on WABC. Hey, Ray. Hello, Brian. Good, uh, good for a happy Friday and a happy weekend to you. I just want to let you know I'm a retired hedge fund manager, and I understand exactly what's going on here. And unlike the way it's being portrayed, it's not billionaire versus common man. What it has to do with is regulatory capital that was instituted under the Dodd-Frank legislation to prevent systemic risk. Broker-dealers have to set aside a certain amount of capital based on how much volume they're doing for customers, and they can't use customer money to do that. So for a small platform like Robinhood or TD Ameritrade, when they had this explosion of trading by their customers, they had to find the capital to put aside to make sure all those trades cleared. And the reason they shut down their platforms was they had to make sure they could access that capital through credit lines or investors in the broker-dealer, so they'd have the capital to be able to maintain these trades and to continue them. Once they uh, were able to get that capital, they reopened. It's not that they're trying to screw the little guy. They're just trying to follow the law. Okay, so I want to play something that kind of backs up what you're saying, and that is the CEO talking more about uh, why he got caught short. Cut 27. I know how Clorox and Lysol felt in the pandemic when they were running out of uh, hand sanitizer and, um, and supplies. We, we just haven't seen this level of concentrated interest market-wide in a small number of names before. So uh, we're doing, we understand our customers are upset. We're doing what we can to re-enable buying in these names. So what do you think this does to them? So you're saying he sincerely got caught, never expected this, and was just un- he was undercapitalized. Well, he was not capitalized for the amount of business that all of a sudden showed up as people piled into one stock, which was GameStop or just a few stocks. Dodd-Frank says if you have 30% of your business concentrated as a broker-dealer concentrated in one stock, you have to almost double your regulatory capital. And it's very hard to do that when you're talking about millions and millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars. So should they have stopped the trading? Should they have stopped it? They had no choice. They could be put out of business by the SEC and the other regulators if they hadn't secured that capital. And until they secured that capital, they weren't allowed to take any more trades. But do you understand the frustration of the 21-year-old saying, wait a second, what's going on here? I do understand it, but I also understand that eventually all these people that are buying stocks at 
unreasonable prices that aren't supported by fundamentals. Eventually, this is all going to end very badly for them, and the government and the taxpayers shouldn't have to bail out the banks that lose money because these people that got into bad trades lost money and can't cover their margins. True. How about this, though? See if I'm keeping up with you, and there's an excellent chance I'm not, so be patient. How about this? Is it okay with you when people falsely drive down stocks just to make money? Well, you drive, they were driving down AMC. They were driving down uh, GameStop in order just to, they were betting against it while driving it well, down you know, at the same time. Is that rigging the game? Brian, markets, free markets are a zero-sum game. There's a buyer and a seller, and they do their transactions for reasons that they have, and it's not for the government to tell them that they're doing right trades or bad trades. They have the right to sell it short. If they make uneconomic decisions, they're losing money because of it. The role of the government and the regulators is to make sure that bad decisions don't imperil the financial system. Great. I think I'm staying with you. I, I agree with you on that. But how about this? What if you're colluding to sell it short and then driving it down to, to maximize the money you're making. Isn't that playing with the result? That's illegal, and if it's done, that's why we have regulators to get that, to, to bring that to the surface and to prosecute people that do this. And if I know you're betting short and I wanted to make sure you didn't profit, I could do what I want to do on the Internet to get people to oh, drive that stock up and hurt you, couldn't I? As long as you're following the, 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 the law on it, yes, you could. If and, you're polluting in private, that's a little bit okay. different than public, but the courts really haven't spoken to that. All right, that then yet. I think I'm ready for the next question. They did that. They knew you were, you were, you were they believed that you were falsely, for whatever reason, driving that stock down. You're betting on it to drop. And they said, we're going to bet it on it to rise, and we're going to make money off it, and we're going to hurt you. So why can't they that's do fine. that? They can do that, but they have to do it within the regulatory framework, and that's why the broker-dealers have to keep their eye on regulatory capital, and when something like this happens, they have to shut down before there's a systemic risk. Gotcha. I learned a lot. Thank you. That's Thank why you, Brian. I, I'm, you know, for me, I'm learning, like, backwards. I think I learned when things go wrong is when I learn the most. In 2009, I really understood what was going on with the mortgages, even though I had taken out three by then. Uh, that was a great call. Alan, real quick, Maryland, uh, and strong, Alan. Hey, Brian. Uh, I know you're pressed press for time here. Um, I was in the air pollution control business for years, and I installed equipment all over the world in the United States. I'm going to say this country does a really good job with what we do, and I'm a little tired of us beating ourselves up over it. Um, secondly, my daughter is an electrical and mechanical engineer. Her sustainability class taught her that if we excavated all the materials we need to make solar panels, we couldn't make enough to power California. <laughs> That's so true. I mean, Carl Rove did this research, too. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Go to briankilmeadeshow.com. Listen anytime, anywhere on the podcast. Put the power of over 100 meteorologists and the worldwide resources of Fox in your hands with the Fox Weather Podcast. Precise, personal, powerful. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.